Welcome to the Mark Scary Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guest night's adventures throughout the world of live and local music. My name is Mark Scary, and I'm a 20-plus year veteran in the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check out MarkScaryMusic.net for upcoming shows, news, and information. If you'd like to toss a buck or two in the podcast tip jar, please visit Patreon.com forward slash MarkScaryMusicPodcast. Eagle Lounge in Fox Creek, Wisconsin this last week was probably my favorite gig I've ever played there. Folks were digging the tunes, packed house, and overall good vibes. Dale Club is a proud supporter of this podcast, live music, giving back to the community, and not to mention one of my favorite places to hang. So this week's podcast, number 325, dropping today on January 11th, 2022, is part one of three of Ed Lowry sharing the fascinating history of the iconic B-Dale Club in Rosemary, St. Paul, Minnesota. Enjoy the conversation. Mr. Ed Lowry, welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Ed is a good, good friend of mine, a previous president of the B-Deal Club here, and I've been coaxing him to do this episode for probably a year or two, and I want to talk to Ed about the history of the B-Deal Club, a proud sponsor of this podcast for years, where I do a lot of the interviews are down here. And uh, Ed, how are you doing today, my friend? I am just doing fine, Mark. It's a little warmer today than it has been. Yes, it is a little warmer, that's for sure. It's been a cold stretch. My dogs did not like that outside the other few days. Well, not only the dogs, but uh, humans too. <laughs> yeah, it's been cold, but whatever. It's wintertime. Yeah. It is it is what it is, and uh, uh, it's a nice Tuesday evening down here at the B-Dale, and I'm, I'm anxious to hear... The Beedle is kind of a folklorish kind of place. It seems like everywhere I go, people have been here. If there's some kind of wheeling and dealing, it always goes through the Beedle Club, no matter what part of the area I'm at. And uh, some, I'm just glad to be a part of the Beedle Club for so long and, and uh, anxious to track down uh, how this all started up. So, Ed, tell us about, a little about yourself. Well, <clears throat> what I want to tell you a little bit about is in terms of where I grew up. And uh, I, I grew up in Upper Michigan, born and raised in Marquette on the south shore of Lake Superior. And I <coughs> went to college at Michigan Tech. And after Michigan Tech is when I came to Minnesota because there weren't any jobs back up there other than mining and things like that going on. So <coughs> I came back here when Control Data, computer company, was really growing. Now, I'd never been to Minnesota before, other than for an interview when I was in college. And I came here, I stayed at the Holiday Inn out of 34th Avenue. That was their headquarters building at that time. And that evening, I walked across the farmer's field to the old stadium out there, the baseball stadium. And that was my first trip to Minnesota. Now, when I got back, I didn't come back again till I started to work here in 19, after I graduated, in 1964. Really? Yes. Now, this is kind of leading into about the history of BDL Club. Because BDL Club, when we get into the history, actually started around the same time or a little bit before I got here. Okay. okay. Now... <coughs> When I, when I got here, or before I got here, I didn't know anybody here. 
I didn't know where I was going to stay, so I booked a room at the downtown YMCA in St. Paul. So I had my car packed with a stereo, TV, everything I could get into the car, came down there, got in the evening, looked for a place to park. There's no place to park or they're on the street. Oh, so then I walked up, checked in, went up to my room, and there were benches out in the hallway. The hallway was probably about 10 feet across or so. There were benches on each side, people sleeping on the benches. I opened the door to my room. It was no bigger than the dorm room that I stayed in in college. I said, wow, no place to park, park on the street. I said, I got to get the hell out of here. <laughs> so I, when I came here, I drove from uh, Upper Michigan across Highway 8 in Wisconsin, came down Highway 61, drove through White Bear Lake, and I saw the lake over there, and I said, wow, now that's really nice. Sunday afternoon, you know, boats out there. So after work the first day, I went back out 61. I went to look for, you know, the manager, knocked on the door, woman opened the door. She says, hey, Harry, somebody wants to look at a room. The door was open to crack. There was a guy lying there in his T-shirt drinking a beer. <laughs> oh, he was pissed. Ah, rah, rah. Well, you know what happened on Monday, Monday night, I found out later. That's Monday night Vern Gagne wrestling. So I interrupted his wrestling joke. Yes! So, <laughs> So now, I'd been mad at you too. That was you know, AWA. It was some good territory yeah, stuff yeah. there, Ed. So, anyways, he he said he got put a shirt on, went out, showed me an apartment. I said, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how far this is where I'm going to be working. I was going to be working out in Arden Hills, so I took 97 across. Now, for me, coming from a small town in Upper Michigan, that seemed like a long way. So anyway, first of all, he was pissed because I never signed up for a room. But <laughs> So there are a bunch of signs. Control Day was hiring like crazy. So I said, well, I'm going to follow the directions, you know, for this sign. Well, it turned out I ended up over here in Roseville. And there were some apartments right across from what was Dean's Bar at that time. Okay, It's now McCarran's Pub. And the manager was so nice. I said, you know, he walked me down. At that time, they had a dock down there where the people in the apartments here could park their boat, not keep it overnight, but beautiful swimming area and everything. I signed up for for that night, and I moved out of the YMCA the next day. That's a great one from the YMCA to Rice Street. So, anyways, when I talked to people at work, you know, told them the story and all that, they said, well, we didn't end up where you did. We ended up someplace else. Well, I said, I never was one for following directions very well. And so I ended up in Roseville by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the universe works, man. Yeah, I know. And I've been, <clears throat> I lived in the apartments there for the first four or five years. I got married the next year, and we lived there for. Uh, I think the first three years or so we were in Minnesota, and then we bought a house over on the uh, south side of McCarran's and have been there ever since. Nice. Yeah, and that's how I got to learn about BDL Club. I was very involved in a lot of uh, activities in terms of my kids when they got in school. 
Do you remember your first time coming to the Bedell Club? Yes, I do. You know, when I, when the kids were in grade school, started into grade school, I was involved with the PTA organization. I was president of the McCarran's Lake PTA. And as I started to meet more and more people, I became very involved in sports in terms of hockey, baseball, and coaching. Now, leading into B-Dale Club, that's how I first kind of learned about B-Dale Club is this was about 10 years or 15 years after I'd been living, you know, after I came to Minnesota as I got older. <coughs> the softball field that is down there now that is owned by the city used to be a little league baseball field. And the founders actually built dugouts out there. It looked like major league dug dugouts. They were a concrete block, roof over the top, and they were about two, two feet down. Now, the problem was is that whenever you got a rain, and it's all downhill and goes all the, comes down from all the way across Dale Street, is the dugouts were flooded. <laughs> So these poor kids, you know, we, we had to stand outside the, the dugouts. But it was a little league baseball field uh, at one time. But that's kind of how I really got involved is through sports, meeting neighbors, meeting people that had kids the same age. And that's kind of what led to be, me into the B-Dale Club. And it took a, I didn't spend too much time down here during the early years because I was involved with the, Coaching youth hockey, I coached youth hockey for about 10 years, from ones that are 7, 8 years old up to ones that are high school age. And I was president of the Hockey Association for several years and on the board, so I just didn't really have the time at that time. So then as they got older, that's when I became actively involved in BDL Club, and that was in 19, uh, that was 1985, so... We're talking about 35 years ago. Wow. And my neighbor, uh, close neighbor, their daughter's babysat for us. Bob Ferletti was his name. He's one of the founding members of the club. And Bob actually got me involved in both coaching hockey and coaching baseball and B-Dale Club. So that's how I got involved with the club. How did he say they came up with the idea? Okay. <laughs> Well, the club got started, to go back to when I first came here in 1964, I said that uh, BDL Club uh, was formed by, that everything was by neighborhoods back at that time, you know, is that sports were organized by, by neighborhood. And as far as when it came to hockey, it was all outdoors. You practice outdoors. And so... <coughs> The, the founders, there's a uh, picture I was looking at over there that had a picture of the founders, and there were about 40, 45 founding members who were all alive, except maybe three or four at that time that I have all met, that I met over the years. Now, as the story goes, is that just across Dale Street, there's uh, to the, that'd be to the west, there's a pond back there, Alameda Pond. Now, they built an ice rink over there. They built a warming house and put lights out there for, for the kids. Now, 
they used to meet. They were looking for ways of raising money to support youth sports, primarily baseball and hockey. Now, if you go from Dale Street and you head north across County Road B, there was a small strip ball over there where now there's where there's a gas station and uh, Bronson. And it's really just across the street, uh, County Road B, from Miller B's funeral home. I'm giving them all a plug here, too, see? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, there was a bar over there called Tony and France. Which one? Where was it? That was just across, as you go out of B. Dale Club, head north on Dale Street, cross County Road B. It was right on that corner on the right side. Really? Yeah, there was a barber shop in there. There was a bar called Tony and France, and I think Carboni's Pizza was originally in there before they sold the, the before they tore down that mall, and they built the one over across on the other side of of, uh, of uh, Dale Street. So they used to meet down there, and then so this was a few years before. I think they officially acquired the property. It was done in conjunction with the city of Roseville. And I'm not sure exactly how that turned out, but I, I remember seeing a picture at one time somebody showed me that there was a family that had, I don't know quite how many kids that they had, but it was like a tar paper shack and was right where the club sits right now. And those were the people that were living living there, and I don't know... What happened at that time, whether, but somehow the BDL Club uh, acquired that property, and I think they had some kind of a charter agreement in conjunction with the city of Roseville. Wonder Goldens, Copper, and Barley have been hitting the highway with me, training for therapy dog work, visiting friends and family, and no other vehicle I'd rather be carting them around in than my black Jeep Cherokee get from ID Chrysler. With 250,000 miles, my old car, just too much for that poor thing to take. I found myself looking for a new dream ride at ID Chrysler, and the staff come in more help with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out their inventory at ZombronaCDJR.com or to the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m., and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m., closed on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler Zombrota today and enjoy a safe winter season full of adventures and memories out in that open road in a new ride. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roosevelt, St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located at the quarter counter of B and Dale's motto is, a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is the damn truth. Excited to welcome Brian K. Johnson back to the B-Dale stage with me rocking this Thursday from 7 to 10. Rob, Natalie, Shelley, the entire bar staff are all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards. As of late, my libation of choice, the classic Greyhound cocktail. And there to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair, tasty little devil. Live music, pool table, pool tabs, bingo, boxy ball tournaments, and much, much more. B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. My understanding is that if, and actually I think at one time the B-Dale Club owned the entire property, the baseball field and everything where now the shelter is, the playground equipment, and now the softball field. But from what I understand, they couldn't afford to pay the taxes on it. So that part went back over to the city. 
So we kind of share. The club shares the property, the parking lot, the facilities, because we both have an interest in it. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, that's how we got there. And here we are going on. Well, if you, if you go back to the very first president, I, I have his picture here. His picture's up on the wall. And the very first president was a person, a gentleman by the name of George Smith. And he was president in 1962, 63, and 64. And I think that's when they officially kind of finalized the deal where with the city, with the property, and so on. And uh, But they had met, from what I understand, maybe a year or two before that, before they officially became, you know, uh, charter, bylaws and charter. They have to go through a bunch of filing, nonprofit organization, all that sort of thing. So people call it the B-Dale Men's Club. Well, yes. How did it, it start out just as a men's club? Well, first of all, people ask, well, B-Dale, how did it get its name? Well, boy, that was really creative thinking. We're on Dale Street and County Road B. Ah, we'll call it B-Dale Club. How's that? <laughs> well, you know, what the hell? <laughs> it's perfect, dude. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> so, any, anyways... Uh, what was the question to get in It was only a men's club? Yes. It started out as B-Dale Men's Club. However, and it was a nonprofit organization, okay, and it was, again, to raise money and to do things to funnel money back into the community. And at that time, a lot of organizations used to be that way where they had kind of a well, a similar situation with uh, VFWs and legions, you know, where they had officially ones that were VFW or in the war and so on. And then as things changed over years, then they formed an auxiliary. Well, B-Dale Club had an auxiliary too, and it was the women, and they were called the 2100 Club. Really? Yes. So... It was the B-Dale Club and the 2100 Club. Yes. And so basically at that time... And that's, I know that's the address here. Yes. Is the 2100. Exactly. Another creative, very creative <laughs> idea. So, <laughs> you know, and the, and the thing about it was is that, you know, things have changed over time in terms of... So what would you guys do if a woman walked in here in the 1660s? Well, the... the, the <laughs> The, the women were here. They had the auxiliary club, and they were both did their own things. The guys had their things that they did, you know, had had a golf league and things that they liked to do, and the women had theirs, and then there were both. And I can tell you what, things got a long a hell of a lot better than they than they do these days. <laughs> it's it's just that people at that time, you know, they. I would say probably at that time, a lot of the women didn't work at that time. You didn't have, you know, a man and wife working and that sort of thing. They, they had, and, you know, they had their role and things they did, and the men had their things and they did, and they got along long fine. And then we did our joint things together, you know, too. So it, 
it just seemed that seeing things seemed to run a lot smoother. Well, as time got on, you know, there, there was continued pressure being put on organizations, you know, to not have separate, you know, being a men's club and that. And so when it changed was I'm looking up at the board up there. Well, let's see, I was, I became a member in 1985. I was, and then. So it, Milo Gall would have been the president at that time. No, well, actually, Kenny Whedon was a president when, as I remember, when I first started attending meetings. Milo Gall was right before that. Milo was a former uh, principal at Kellogg High School. Do you remember anything about Kenny Whedon, the first guy you met, first president? Did I what? Do you remember anything about him? Kelly, Kenny? Oh yeah, he lived right across the street. He had. Two sons. He had a son that was the uh, same age as one of my sons. They played sports together. They went to high school together. I knew him very well. He, lived, he passed away here a few years ago, but he lived right across the street from the club. Did you know when you asked Kenny Weedon? I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Okay. Well, if you go on to Paul Hanson, and then there's Don Rudy, and that, I think, would have been 1989, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm looking at it right here. Yeah. And Don Rudy is when it was changed to just BDL Club. And it no longer was BDL Men's Club. So that happened in 1989. That would do, Was that a big decision, or how did that go about? No, it was... Uh, I don't think there... I don't recall a whole lot of uh, controversy with it. Um, Paul Hansen uh, was a, I think he was the first president right before Don Rudy. He was a president for two years. And he did a lot of work in working out the details between the founding members and then opening it up and it changed it to be Dale Clubs. And it seemed, as I recall, there was some kind of a, a buyout deal with the founding members. And some of them was offered, a, I think, a f some money and others. It wasn't a large sum of money at, at that time, as I recall. And, you know, and I'd probably say that most of them had declined it. You know, it was, they were happy with it. But Paul, Paul Hansen did a lot of uh, work up front on that, and then Don Rudy was the one. John Don Rudy was a custodian up at uh, uh, Ramsey High School at that time. Are those guys still with us? Uh, yes, both of them. Both of them are. Ken Whedon isn't. Milo Gall isn't the one before that. Um, but uh, yeah, as you, as you start going down to the left, there. Uh, uh, some are still there, but as I go along, I'd say probably just off the top of my head, there's probably 75-80% of them are no longer with us as you go backwards, for, starting from Milo Gall. Um, there is another interesting person up there, too, that was a former president. If you go back from Milo Gall, Gil Smith, I think, was the next one, and then Bill Walrath, and then Ray Barton. Now, Ray Barton, interesting story about Ray. Ray was very, Ray was a freelance artist, very talented. He was a member of the Legion, 
member of VFW. And that's true of quite a few of the other past presidents and members out here. They were members of both organizations. Well, anyway, Ray Barton, you know, when we put out our newsletter, you didn't have all the clip art and all that sort of stuff. He drew everything by hand. Pancake breakfast, he drew a picture of a, of a cook, and anything you had, he, everything was all, was all drawn. Well, anyways, he was contacted by uh, Calvin Griffith of the Twins when the first twins, twins first came here. Okay. And he wanted a design. You know, I think, you know, the Twins were, came from Washington, okay? There was a baseball team in Washington that, that came to Minnesota, and Calvin Griffith was in charge of the, of the Twins at that time. So he wanted something to try to promote both Minneapolis and St. Paul. So how he contacted Ray, I don't know. But he said, I would like something, you know, that shows both St. Paul and Minneapolis. So Ray came up with this drawing of two baseball players shaking their hands across the river. It was Minnie and Paul. Those are the two. And at the time, he had no idea what it was going to be used for. He thought it was going to be used on ice cream cups or Dixie cups or something like that. And I think they, he got $15 for it. And that's iconic yeah. logo now of, like, you go to the new well, Twin Stadium. That's it, what you it, see is huge. Exactly. Is that when the new stadium, at that particular time, when the new stadium was being built and about ready to open up, Ray was still living at that time. But he was battling cancer. And so when the stadium opened up, he had seen it on TV, but he'd never been there. And I think very early in the season, after the first few games or so, he passed away. And so I made up a big plaque telling this whole story, and we had one down here. I don't know where it disappeared. It's over there. I saw it the other day. I did, too. You know, that's why I went to, went to grab it there, and I don't see it there now. Huh. But anyways, those, those things used to be hung up on the wall down here. All those pictures and th things, and there used to be a lot of pictures of teams that we sponsored, hockey teams, baseball teams that we sponsored over the year. That whole wall back there was past, uh, uh, you know, was had pictures of the teams that we had sponsored. We had shelves with trophies that they had won, and I can tell you, as these kids got older and came in here. They would go over and look at those pictures. Oh, that was my peewee team that won the championship. Oh, that was my Bantam team. And they would, you know, they're playing softball down here. They're, they're out, you know, out of school and have jobs. And they would walk along that wall over there where all these pictures are. That was my hockey coach. That was my baseball coach. And... Things change over the years, but that's one thing that I, I understand. Things are going to change. But that's the sad part about it is that all that stuff is gone. The where, pictures are Where still, is it? Where's the pictures? They're all, they're all thrown, out, thrown out. People, as you get new people in here, 
Well, those, they, they don't, that doesn't mean anything to me. There's, there's been some conversation there, too, recently, is that, well, I don't know any of those people up there. We're running out of space. I don't, that doesn't mean much to me. But it means something to me. It means something to kids and grandkids of some of those people that were the founders down here. And it's very sad if they decide to ever get rid of those. I agree. This is not a song for all you lovers Snuggling up next to the fireside This is a song for all the others Out at the bar getting drunk tonight Hey, Louie, come for a lonely man a drink Something so strong that I can't even think And if I spend my last time trying to drink her off my mind Hey, I don't care I ain't going nowhere But argue for years 